Romans 16.23 is our text. Paul, there under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is closing up his letter to the church at Rome. And as usual, he's listing out some folks for special recognition. And therefore, he's listing them for our benefit and for our learning. So let me read this verse to you. It says, Gaius, my host and the host of the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the treasurer of the city, greets you. And Quartus, a brother. Our main focus is going to be on that third chap, Quartus. Herbert Lockyer comments on this verse in his book, All the Men of the Bible, where he says this, Among the thousands of persons named in the Bible, there is only one under the letter Q, namely Quartus, the Corinthian Christian whom Paul calls a brother who, and who joined the apostle in sending a salutation to the church of Rome. So kind of cool, the only guy with a Q name in the whole Bible. Uh, I don't know if there's any X names, maybe I'll look that up next time, but... This particular gentleman is interesting to me because of how he is referenced together with these two other guys, Gaius and Erastus. He he has three words of scripture, Quartus, a brother, and his three words of scripture speak to us today and give us a clear compass by which we should apply our lives and our thinking. Now, his name simply means the fourth. So perhaps this was a first century equivalent of Sonny or Junior. But at this juncture, we don't really find any devotional insight into the name in and of itself. So then we are only left with the one other word of description that we are given by the Lord, brother. He was called Quartus the brother. There's something in that description that God desires to teach us about. And there's something about this pairing of Quartus with Gaius and Erastus that we should draw from and meditate upon today. So let's look at those first two guys briefly. Gaius, it says, was the host of Paul and the whole church. So in Gaius, we see the personality. He was a man who was spiritually gifted in hospitality, which is one of the great spiritual gifts listed for us in the New Testament. He was gifted to serve in this particular fashion. He had opened his home and opened his schedule to Paul and the people of the church in the city. As we know, each of us are given specific spiritual gifts from the Lord so that we can serve him and serve the church. That's what our gifts are for. The Lord does this, he gifts us these in this way so that he can use us in specific ways to edify others and to build the kingdom and to glorify Christ. Now, those gifts that God gives us are important. The Bible spends a lot of time explaining them to us and showing us how the gifts work out in the church. And so Gaius is listed for us and we could say that it was his gifting or his spiritual personality that the Holy Spirit highlighted in this verse. So a study of him would cause us to pause and consider which ways God has gifted us as individuals, and then evaluate whether we are using those gifts, whether we're developing those gifts, or if we are leaving them unopened in our lives. Gaius had embraced the gifts that the Lord had given him. He was developing them. He was serving with them. He was doing what you're supposed to do with spiritual gifts, and um, he is highlighted for that. Therefore, we could look at our own lives and say, okay, what ways has God gifted up me? Every man in here, the Lord has gifted And are we developing and using and serving with those gifts? Gaius was a host. What about Erastus? Erastus, it says, was the treasurer of the city. And so if Gaius was listed for his personality, then we could say that Erastus was listed for his position. As a high official in the city of Corinth there, Erastus had much to lose as a Christian. Um, As we recall in our verse-by-verse study through the book of 1 Corinthians on Sunday mornings, Corinth was a pretty gnarly city with the idol worship and the weird things that they were doing all the time. 
Now, Erastus was the city treasurer, a very high official in that area. However, like Daniel and Joseph, Erastus loved and he served the Lord right where God had placed him, despite the occupational hazards that it, it would have definitely caused from time to time. Now, not all of us are called to a position of great prominence. You know, not all of us are going to be a mayor or going to be a governor or going to be even a treasurer of a city. But all of us are placed somewhere by God to be a light in the darkness. And so, no matter where you are today, your job is a mission field. Your place in the community is a mission field. Sometimes that is going to cause tension between us and the world and us and those people who don't yet know Jesus Christ. But as Christians, we are to follow the Lord and honor him no matter what the risk is going to be to our career or our social standing. Erastus continued his service in the church. He continued his witness in the city despite his prominent position, despite what it could have cost him under the Roman Empire. If we were to study his life, it would cause us to pause and consider our own testimony at the workplace. What is that looking like right now and in the community? And it would cause us to evaluate whether we are shining or hiding the light of Christ in the positions that he has placed us. But then we get to Quartus, our guy. No personality listed, no position listed. Instead, he's just referenced by the common New Testament word, brother. Man, you look up that word, you know, Strong's Greek word, number 80, and it's listed all over, all over in the New Testament. There's nothing special about this word in the, in the you know, linguist sense. A lot of times I like to look at these words and it's like, oh, this word's only used two or three times in the whole Bible. Not so. This is just a common word. And so why would someone who is seemingly plain and nondescript be given to us in this text? What did he do to be recognized by Paul in this letter and therefore by the Holy Spirit for our benefit. The good news is that, you know, since he's so plain and since he's so nondescript in one sense, we should identify with him in this classification. He is a type of every believer. He is a pattern for every one of us. As Christians, we are all brothers in Jesus Christ. And we, we use that vernacular all the time. We call each other brother, you know. Um, we use it in greetings. We use it in you know all sorts of senses here in the church. Uh, therefore, as brothers, we understand that Quartus is first an encouragement to us that our lives, even if they may seem plain, even if they may seem nondescript, our lives are important and they are significant. They, we might not have a big ministry like Gaius did, entertaining apostles and opening his home to the whole church. We may not have a prominent position like Erastus did, a city treasurer, a high official in a great you know, Roman city. But our lives, though simple, are very meaningful and very important to God who takes every brother and desires to use him for his own glory. Second thing we see, this word brother, and we, and we think of not only the fact that he is the pattern of every believer, but we also think of his pedigree. We remember that this word identifies us with Jesus Christ. Here's what Jesus said about the word brother. Matthew 12, 48 through 50. Jesus answered and said to the one who told him, Who is my bro mother and who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand towards his disciples and he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Brotherhood with Jesus means we are recipients of his power, recipients of his wisdom and his inheritance, most importantly. As we follow the Lord and then we do the will of the Father in heaven, as Jesus mentioned here in Matthew chapter 12, we become heirs to eternity as sons of God. 
As brothers with Jesus, we are reconciled to God who saves us from death and frees us from the bondage of the corruption that sin has brought into this world. As brothers of Christ, we receive a pedigree that comes with the power of God. It comes with the protection of God. It comes with the provision of God. It comes with the plan of God. All of that in the brotherhood of Jesus. We receive the mysteries that were hidden away before and now revealed to us, not for intellect's sake, but for relevant heavenly living. As brothers, we become friends with God who loves us and then can bestow upon us all that he desires for his redeemed children. That's what our pedigree is as brothers of Christ. We think about that pedigree and remember that our lives suddenly have liveliness. Our lives suddenly have meaning in Jesus Christ. We suddenly have opportunities that we did not have before. You know, um, if you're a secular philosopher, you know, uh, most, you know, you think of the existential philosophers and they come to the inevitable conclusion that, well, yeah, life is empty. Life is completely meaningless. But in Jesus Christ, you receive this pedigree and, you, and suddenly our lives have meaning. Suddenly our lives have purpose. It's not just empty spinning of the wheels, you know, getting from point A, birth to point B, death, you know. We suddenly have these opportunities that we did not have before. We suddenly have this strength that we did not have before. We suddenly have this potential that we did not have before. Because we are now sons of God and brothers of Jesus in a spiritual sense. But then we not only think of Cordus as being a pattern for every believer, we not only think about his pedigree as a brother in Christ, but third, we think of his partnership in God's will. He's listed by Paul because he not only was a brother in the spiritual sense, but he acted like a brother. He had determined to partner together with Paul and with his fellow believers to accomplish the Lord's will no matter what. And so not all of us have brothers. I don't have any brothers. And I'm sure some of you don't have a perfect relationship with the brothers you do have. However, we do have this cultural understanding of brotherhood, don't we? We understand the idea of brotherhood in the you know, philosophical sense. We have this idea of a bond that surpasses all other things, a connection that looks past differences. Uh, it looks past mistakes. It looks past opinions. It looks past everything because of the bond of brotherhood. This is how we are to mature together as believers in the church. This is how we should see other Christians in our hearts with that unbreakable bond of fellowship and fraternity. We are to forgive because that guy's my brother. We are to show grace because that guy's my brother. We are to sacrifice because that guy's my brother. We're to teach and to help and to guard and to guide these other believers because they are my brothers. And we have that understanding in our minds that, man, I would do anything for my brother. This is brotherhood. I, I would do anything for him to help him or protect him or to love him because he and I belong together in a special way. Will we have differences? Of course. Will, will other Christians do things that we don't agree with or approve of sometimes? Absolutely. That's obvious. But we really need to cultivate this understanding that God's family is a family. And that our brotherhood together with other Christians is very important to the Lord. And that we are connected together in an eternal spiritual heritage. Cordus was a brother to Paul, the Bible says. But in order to be a brother to Paul, he had to be a brother to Jesus in this spiritual sense that we've been talking about. So what about us? How do we become better brothers in the biblical sense? The answer is, of course, given to us in the word of God. First and foremost, we need to be sanctified. Hebrews 2.11 For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he, Jesus, is not ashamed to call them brethren. 
Sanctification simply means to be made holy. We are made holy in two ways. First, we are purified. Sanctification means to be purified. Thus, a biblical brother is a man who is being purified from sin. He's being purified from a life that is dominated by sin because the life that is dominated by sin is a life of a prodigal. Uh, It is the life of broken relationship with God the Father and his spiritual brethren. Think of the prodigal son. His relationship with his dad was broken. His relationship with his brother was broken because he was in a life dominated by sin. Now, second... Sanctification means we are being set apart. First purified, then set apart by God for his work. And so a biblical brother is a man who is distinguishable from the world. He's set apart from the world and he's serving the Lord personally and passionately. Those trapped by the lures of the world are like the rich young ruler who was sorrowful when he discovered that being in the family of God, being a biblical brother, means being set apart from worldliness for something glorious and eternal. He wanted the fraternity with the Lord, but he didn't want any of the sanctification. So looking within, if we desire to be brothers like Cordus was a brother, we should find sanctification in our lives. We should find uh, a lack of habitual sin. We should not find carnal worldliness. We should find holiness instead. That's the theological aspect of being a brother. So how do we do that practically? Uh, Spurgeon said this about sanctification. He said, the truth is the sanctifier. If we do not hear, the, uh, if we do not hear or read the truth, we shall not grow in sanctification. We only progress in sound living as we progress in sound understanding. And so, brotherhood begins with sanctification, and sanctification is found in God's truth. Peter elaborates on this process in very plain terms. Second Peter, verse uh, chapter one. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Add to your virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so this is how you become a biblical brother more and more that honors God through your life. This is why Quartus was worthy of heavenly recognition in Romans chapter 16, because he was a spiritual brother. He was dedicated to the family of God and to the will of God. And so the question is this, what am I going to do to honor God today? What kind of son am I going to be to him? And what kind of brother am I going to be to my fellow believers? That's the challenge. That's the opportunity. That's the choice that we get to make today. So we've been cleansed. We've been set apart. We've been gifted. We've been placed. And now it's time for us to live in this biblical bond of brothers. 